Episode 22 starts now. Welcome to ShareMo EDU. We are a team of two Missouri lead learners sharing stories across the state and beyond through the lens of education. I'm Dr. Renee Hawkins, principal at Maple Elementary School in Smithville, Missouri. And I'm Dr. Eric Carlin, elementary assistant principal at Maple Elementary in Smithville, Missouri. Today's guest is an educator from Toronto. She's a blogger, co-facilitator of the monthly Rethink Learning Twitter chat, and is writing a book on inquiry and design thinking. Her passions also span technology education. Welcome, Dr. Shelley Vora. Thank you very much for having me. Awesome. Well, help us to get to know you and tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, currently, um, I'm an instructional coach with uh, local our local board. Uh, so what that basically means is, I have four schools that I'm assigned to, and I basically support teachers and the school in meeting their uh, PD goals. So I see, it, I see it as a twofold kind of role. I work with teams of teachers based on the principal giving release time to us, and I also work with individual teachers to meet their personal goals. And before that, I was in the classroom for 15 years. Um, I taught pretty much every grade from K to eight. And I have to say, um, grade eight was definitely my favorite. And when I do say that, I get a lot of uh, strange looks from people. <laughs> but I love middle school. There's definitely people who are really good at middle school. And I would, um, I'm kind of in between. I did fifth grade, but um, have a love for the K2 building that we're in right now. So actually, grade five was one of my other favorite grades. I love grade five and grade eight. Yeah, we're definitely my two favorite. Awesome. I have an eighth grader right now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. My, my youngest will be in high school next year. It's crazy to think about. Yeah, I know. My nephews are in grade one this year, and it's it's crazy how fast they grow up. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay, Shelly, what is your hashtag for education? And tell us what these words mean to you. My hashtag for education? Yes. Um... Well, I do have the Rethink Learning, which is a, a chat that I co-facilitate with Barbara Beers. Um, Barbara, sorry, Barbara Bray. And um, I guess I'm just looking for other uh, educational hashtags that I interact with or... Or if you could create your own, if there's one that you use typically. Um... The one, the one I typically use is the Rethink Learning. I use that hashtag a lot. And um, just because I think we need to kind of rethink education in terms of the way we deliver the curriculum. I know we're always mandated by the curriculum and standardized testing, but I think we need to move to more, towards a more flexible curriculum, as I like to say. Um, I also like to use the hashtag Future Ready, which is another a term that I like to use in education because I think... I, when I think, you know, thinking of education and thinking of the 21st century skills that educators talk about in terms of the critical thinking, collaboration, creativity, I have actually a, 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 a posted to my Twitter, uh, pinned to my Twitter feed is a quote that I have is that these aren't really 21st century skills to me. Like, because when I was in school, I'm sure you were in school, you were, you were taught to think critically, you were taught to communicate. And I think we kind of, it's kind of a misnomer when we say that because we've always, those skills have always been around. I think it's just the way we develop them that has changed because the tools that are available to us now are so different than when we were in school. 
So I think we need to kind of rethink that as well in terms of how we develop those skills. And, and it's not about the content. Uh, content, content is important. And obviously, we have to deliver the curriculum. But it's maybe shifting more towards developing the skills through the content. So shifting away from that content focus and moving towards the skills focused. Um, and inquiry-based learning is huge for me as well. I also use that hashtag quite a bit in my in social media as inquiry-based learning and personalized learning is um, teaching kids to look at education, look at uh, content and global issues through various perspectives. So one example that I did in the classroom was when we I taught grade eight history, I got my hands on a couple of grade eight history textbooks and we looked at, well, how does how does the American textbooks report the same, the War of 1812, and how does the Canadian perspective textbooks report the 18, World War of 1812? And we look at those different perspectives and we come to our own conclusions. And I think that's what we need for our students these days is that you come to your own conclusion, but yeah, it has to be based on the evidence and your experiences. That's so cool. You really touched on a, <clears throat> a few things that, you know, when we talk about these skills like communication, that's that's always been around or giving speeches. Um, but it's it's changed a lot or, you know, we see things like Flipgrid and different things for students um, and their communication is is so much, uh, it's, it is different, but it's still that skill or um, aspect that we're working on is just general communi communication. Um, and then tying that to that global piece like you talked about of um, looking at different perspectives and different viewpoints and, and taking that from not just our our state's view or our our country's view, but um, comparing those and looking at those different things, it's um, kind of gets into that 21st century skill or, or way of looking at um, some of those skills that that students are learning. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, like what what I did was I about I I started inquiry based learning in my classroom about 12 years ago, and I remember looking at it was it was actually I had just finished teaching grade five. It was the last day of school and I remember sitting at my desk and thinking there's got to be a better way to teach the curriculum because I was so overwhelmed and so tired. So I was still living at home at that time with my parents and I remember bringing home all the curriculum documents and finding all the connections between the different subject areas. I go, I need, I need to find a better, more effective way to teach. So what I would end up doing that whole summer was digging into the curriculum, looking at the skills, looking at the verbs in the curriculum and looking at the big ideas or universal themes. So for example, the environment or ethics or poverty or whatever the big idea was. And I created a unit based around that big idea and I came up with an essential question that was open-ended open enough that allowed different entry points and allowed different answers. So I could have one answer, you could have another answer. But like I said before, if, as long as you give evidence and you back it up with your with research and your experiences, we can both be right, even, even though we have different answers. And I think that's the kind of learning we need to move more towards to as we move into the 21st century because like you said like we always hear that you know we have to get kids ready for jobs that we don't know about or we need to get kids ready to problem solve and actually i was just talking to a colleague the other day and i was saying like when i went for a job when we went for job interviews who whoever looked at our transcripts they did they did not look at our transcripts they looked they wanted to see what real world skills we brought in could we communicate could we work together as a group uh, can we can we problem solve? Can we think critically? So why are we so focused on grades? Why aren't we focused on the learning that's happening instead of focusing on those standardized testing and those report cards? So I think that's another shift that needs to happen is 
looking at that and saying employers don't look for employers don't look at your transcripts when you go for a job interview. They look at the skills you bring and how you conduct yourself in an interview. And that's what it needs to be all about is giving those kids those skills and kind of shifting away from those grades. So that's what I'm another uh, aspect of education I'm very passionate about is moving away from that achievement and grades moving more towards learning and growth. Mm. Awesome stuff. Uh, share a message from a book that you've read recently or from the book that you're working on writing that will cause listeners to take action. Oh boy, um, I'm reading actually two books right now. I, uh, I try to read, um, I try to have two books on the go. One is professional and one is a more uh, per personal. So um, the one I just finished reading was Visible Learning in Math. Uh, one of the authors is John Hattie. And a lot of what he says in terms of um, the math curriculum, and, and I'm working with, a lot, uh, working with a group of teachers on this. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the term of spiraling the math curriculum, but it's looking at, uh, you know, when teachers tell me, well, I'm done my measurement unit. And I try to try to tell them very, you know, in a nice way that, you know, we're, we're never done measurement or we're never done data management. It's something that needs to be introduced again and again in a spiraled way. So uh, he talks a lot, he talks a lot about that in his book. And that just reminds me of the way that I try to support teachers in their teaching practices is constantly reintroducing those skills. So whether we're, you know, teaching um, measurement, how does measurement come back later when we might touch upon data management or we might touch upon patterning? So how can we bring those concepts back in, in a spiraled way? And, um, and the personal book I'm reading is by uh, John Taffer. And he taught, it's a lot of, it's about leadership. And the funny thing is I've read three chapters so far and a lot of what he talks about is what we're doing in education for years. He talks about growth mindset. He talks about lifelong learning, but from a business aspect. So it's interesting to read because I'm reading his, these chapters from his book and I'm saying, yeah, you know, making notes to myself and saying, where do you do that in education? So um, it's just interesting to see how the two business and education, you know, connect and how there are so many uh, commonalities in terms of the themes and the qualities that education looks for and business leaders look for. Interesting. You know, as you talk curriculum and grades and, you know, just planning, we are going through that process right now with several of our content areas. Right. So great messages that you're sharing. And, you know, it just makes me think about the work we're doing here. And I think a lot about a lot of it is collaboration. I mean, and when you move into more middle school, it's, um, you know, I often hear from teachers that's more difficult because the kids are on rotary. And I say, to, I say to them, there has to be a collective commitment from the staff to uh, approach learning from an inquiry, inquiry stance. When I was teaching grade eight, um, one of their choices was to create a movie trailer for the book they read. And actually it was interesting, they were actually reading fiction and science class. And when I first started giving out the books to them, they were looking at me really weird and because they've never read fiction and science. It's all about nonfiction. So that was the first kind of uh, interesting point is to get them to the point where, yeah, we're reading fiction, um, science fiction in science class. And one of their um, tasks that they, that they chose to was to do a movie trailer. And so I connected with my music teacher. I said, look, if you have time, can you fit in one or two periods where you teach them about um, effective music in movie trailers? And she said, sure. Right? She's very open to it. So you need that collective commitment from the staff um, in terms of, that inquiry approach and making sure that all teachers are on board to be able to teach the skills that are needed to help those uh, kids develop their their skills. Right. 
That's super fun. <laughs> yeah, it was for the kids at the time filming their movie trailers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Reflect on these statements. Right now, one thing that is going well for me is, and I want to grow by. Uh, one thing that is going well is just my work in my schools. I'm starting to really see um, teachers get on board in terms of, you know, teaching through the skills. A lot of the time I, I found over the years that teachers are very focused on the content. Like, you know, for example, well, how can we create a common task if I'm working in data management and my partner's working on um, number sense enumeration? Or, you know, my partner's working on essays while I'm working on memoirs. And again, it's bringing it back to the skill. So the skill you're working on in language is communication. So it really doesn't matter if you're doing a memoir or a biography, how can we come together and find the common elements or success criteria, if you'd like to call it, what does communication look like? And the same in math, it doesn't matter if we're working on data management or patterning, if, you're, if the common theme or the common need in the school is justification, what does justification mean? Because justification is a skill through which you teach your content, right? So, and I think, and this has been my journey for the last three years, and I'm, I really like and really happy to see that teachers are starting to get on board with the fact that, yes, it doesn't matter what the content is, we're focusing on developing students' justification skills, or we're working on developing the communication skills. So the content or the vehicle doesn't matter, it's a skill that we develop through the content. So I'm very happy to see that. And I think you said something about growth, something. Yes, how, how do you wanna grow? What's the goal you have for yourself? Uh, the, the goal is to finish my book. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, my day job keeps me so busy, it's hard to uh, work on my book, but um, I this summer I have made a goal, like a plan to sit down and get, and pretty much get uh, most of it done. So that's my growth for this summer. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah. Okay, what three words would you use to describe the person who has made the greatest impact on your life? And why do those words come to mind? Three words that describe the person? Sure, yep. Um, wow. I guess for lack of a better word, the person I'm thinking of right now, and uh, the reason I'm thinking of her is just because I meet with her on a regular basis. She's kind of a uh, like a mentor to me. Um, She's very outside of the box thinker. So she'll come up with an idea and I'm just like, I wish I had your brain because I wish I had thought of that. <laughs> um, and she just has so much energy. I guess that's not the word I would use. She's so energetic and uh, she's retired now. She's been retired for about two years. Um, and she had just, she has so much energy and she still has a love for education even though she's retired. And, um, and again, that whole lifelong learning piece. Like when we meet, we share like, because she's still doing, she's writing a book as well, but it's not related to education. It's more a personal uh, memoir of hers that she's writing, but she's still passionate about education. Came, she came to me with an idea um, the other day when we met for coffee the other day, because um, she's a very, uh, she was a teacher librarian. And so she's very, um, she loves books. She loves reading. So she came with, came up to this great idea and asked me what I thought. And I thought it was a great idea. And I, I, I told her, I go, look, I'll help you market your idea because I love it so much. So I just love that she's so passionate and so open-minded and so um, outside the box thinker in terms of her ideas. And that's why I love talking to her. We meet once a month or we made a commitment to meet once a month and just kind of share where we are in our, in our journey. And, um, She's someone I just really value in my life because I know that 
if I give an idea, she'll be she'll tell me, no, Shelly, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> and she, she will tell me, and, and that's what I like about her because she's honest. And uh, and if it's a terrible idea, she goes, okay, how can we work with the core of your idea and make it better? So um, yeah, I really value and respect her for that. So she's she's amazing. She sounds like a great accountability partner. Oh, she is. She, she really makes me accountable, and she'll text me and say, did you write today? Because she knows I'm writing my book. So she'll always say, you know, spend at least 20 minutes. Oh, no, sorry, her go-to is 250 words a day, at least. That's what she tells me. <laughs> yeah, so she's, she's amazing. Shelly, what's been a game-changing moment for you in the field of education? Oh, game-changing moment. I would say my game-changing moment, um, besides what I talked about um, in terms of what I did in my classroom, I think one of the game-changing moments for me was uh, when I finally completed my PhD. That was uh, that was huge. That was four and a half years of uh, you know blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. And um, as I'm sure you know, um, and that was just that was for me a game-changer because I think it just opened up a whole lot of doors for me and. Um, and because of that, I've met, I've networked with quite a few uh, professors at our local, local universities, and they've given me some great ideas about how to get my foot in the door um, in terms of getting a job at a faculty of, in faculty of education, or just in terms of, you know, if I wanted to start my own consulting business or whatever ideas I may have, um, it's just opened that door in terms of other opportunities outside of a school board. So that's, uh, that's been very valuable to me and a game changer because um, I'm traveling to Chicago at the end of June to present with ISTE, and then I'll be traveling to Indiana in July to present my research as well. So yeah, just open up doors and you know meeting new people like the two of you uh, who I've met through Twitter and who I'm getting the opportunity to talk to now. So finishing that PhD was a, a big game changer because my research is being recognized and people are asking questions. So I'm happy about that. That's awesome. Can I ask what your topic was? <laughs> Wait, sorry? Can I ask what your topic was? Well, or your? It was, I studied, because um, my my uh, dissertation, my chair, well, my professor said that you need to pick a topic that you're very passionate about, and I'm very passionate about Twitter. <laughs> so I I studied the use of Twitter in the grade math classroom. Cool. Yeah, um, wow. And a lot of, a lot of good, some positive, encouraging results about the use of Twitter in the classroom. Huh. Yeah. We just did a podcast with um, Dr. Brent Cowley. He just finished this past May, and um, he did his on Twitter, and I can't remember the exact details, but basically, like, the connected educator and, and how does Twitter impact, uh, like, their PD, and I may be completely off on what that actually was, his exact topic, but I know that he dived into Twitter and, and those connections, and it's so cool that there's that platform for education um, through something as simple as Twitter uh, to connect and, and share really powerful ideas, so. Yeah, I think it'd be very powerful for students because it just, I mean, when we, when we talk about the global learning and individualized learning and inquiry, I mean, why not use Twitter to reach out to other classrooms across the globe and learn together and look right. at the perspectives and you know, especially now in the role we live in now with, you know, social justice and equity and inclusion, you know, why not use those levers of social media tools and get kids learning with each other globally? Right. Very good. Okay. If your cup is not full, you cannot fill the cup of others. Cheers. Cheers.
I'm dripping on my computer. Um, how do you how do you promote self care? How do I promote self care? Oh, that's you know what that's such an interesting question because um, you asked that because I've just started uh, because I have nothing you know just more to add to my plate. I'm actually I'm actually um, starting a wellness blog, and uh, I have a couple posts. I just have to. Um, post them on my blog. And the reason why they're not posted yet is because the name I had chosen for my blog is already taken. I didn't realize that. Oh, no. Yeah, now I've got to change the name of it. That's why it's it's not available. My blog's not available online yet. But I talk a lot about um, self-care was something that became very important to me while I was doing my PhD. Sure. <laughs> um, I mean, as I was taking care of myself before, but I think it came more to the forefront when I was doing my PhD and thinking about, you know, I really need to take, take care of myself. So uh, not only am I starting a blog, but um, I also, I always do something for myself at least once a day, right? That's not related to education. So whether that's watching my favorite TV show or going for a facial or going to my sister's house, house to spend time with my niece and nephew, they're seven and four. So, um, and that's something I talk about in my blog as well, is just picking at least one thing a day. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to take an hour. Just like, even if you take 10 minutes to meditate, or just to, you know, do some yoga stretches, anything that's going to bring you some, you know, center you and bring you some peace. Um, pick one thing to do that's, that you're, that, that's going to be about you. And I think a lot of the times we, uh, as educators, we're very busy with our families. Like, you know, we teach all day, then we have to go home to our kids. We might have to shut them to soccer practice or hockey or whatever it might be. Come home, do your homework, eat dinner, go to bed, and you have very little time for yourself. And I always use that uh, airplane analogy. You know, the airplane where they tell you you put the oxygen mask on yourself, right? Or you put it on someone else. And that 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 analogy I I use all the time with my teachers is that you need to take make sure you take you take care of yourself first because if you don't take care of yourself, you're not gonna be well enough to take care of anybody else. So again, pick one thing a day that just focuses on you, and it could be journal writing if you want. You know, and I list a whole bunch of ideas in my first blog post about self care. Um, and those are just some ideas that I, I provide, but yeah, pick, pick one thing and for one day, 10 minutes, one hour, whatever it is and stick to it. Cause it, it does make a difference because we're so bogged down in education in terms of report cards and phone calls to parents and planning and marking, whatever we need to take the time for ourselves and take care of ourselves. Good advice. Yeah. So also on that same note, this month we are promoting hashtag rejuvenate June. So it's time oh. to relax, re-energize, but always find time to learn something new. What's one way you can rejuvenate? Sorry, you cut out there. Can you repeat that question? Yes. We're promoting hashtag rejuvenate June. So it's time to relax, re-energize, but always take time to learn something new. What's one way you can rejuvenate this June? One way I'm going to rejuvenate this June. It's hmm. <laughs> a good question. I, I always want to start something new. And I actually was thinking of taking um, a course that has nothing to do with education. And I, we, we talk about growth mindset a lot in education. And I think I'm a, I can't draw. I can't. I draw stick people. And that's, <laughs> that, that's as far as I can, I can go. So I think one thing I want to do next month is look into um, some local courses where they teach me how to draw and paint. So, cause I want to develop that skill. So, and I want to be a good role model as well for my niece and nephew and for, you know, the students that I, I work with. So 
that's something that I like to do in June is, is look for, look for those kind of courses where I can model that growth mindset and learn how to draw. Fun. That sounds fun. (laughs) Okay. We've come to the moment in this interview where it's time to share your fast five. We're going to fire five questions at you and we want you to answer with the first thought that comes to mind. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. Here we go. Renee, fire away. Would you rather be incredibly funny or incredibly smart? Incredibly smart. How do you take your eggs? Uh, boiled. What do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, lifelong learner. Would you rather play dodgeball or hide and seek? Dodgeball. <laughs> and give a shout out to one person you want to tune into this episode. Uh, I would love for Barbara Bray to tune into this podcast. <laughs> All right, tune in. Okay, thank you so much, Shelly. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, you are rocking it, and uh, we just want to give you an opportunity to make any closing statements or share anything with our listeners before you go. The only thing that I want to say that I also tell my teachers is that do what you think is best for your students. I know we're, we we have a lot coming at us from from our ministries and our districts and our administration and from the public and well you know everywhere but well at the end of the day you close your door or leave it open whatever you want and do what is best for your kids because you know your kids best and do what's best for them and that's that's the most important message that i would love for educate for to get out there in terms of our classrooms and our the teachers the students that we deal with on a daily basis is that you get to know your kids and you do what's best for them and nothing else matters. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Shelly. Thank Thank you. you. Tune in next week to learn more as we share Mo. Thank you. Thank you very much.